0: The goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome
1: to Lucky Show number 13 uh, with our guest today, former Indianapolis head football coach Chuck Pagano, more affectionately uh, known within coaching circles as Pags, and uh, Chuck We feature greatly accomplished people with an even greater testimony. And I don't know any better person in America than you who would fit this bill. So, welcome to the show today.
2: Thank you, Jeff. Great to see you. Great to be on with you guys.
1: Yes, sir. So, uh, you know, when I see your picture or that uh, Ed Reed clip that comes on that's become popular, it really makes me smile, uh, you know, because of what you have survived. And then in the process of surviving, uh, becoming nationally known for your coaching success. Uh, so what you've accomplished is really amazing. And, uh, you know, every, well, basically when I coached with you a couple of places, I was always happy anyway because of your personality always made me happy when I was around you. But, uh, uh, but uh, those things are incredible. And uh, I just praise God. Uh, for getting you through some of the challenges of course that you had and uh which the whole united states of america is pretty much familiar with and uh what i want to do is just kind of go through your your career a little bit uh i'm going to go through your your resume very quickly here and then i'll i'll ask you a question or two but uh Uh, you played defensive back at Wyoming. Uh, you went to USC as a GA and then Miami as a GA went to Boise state from there as outside linebacker coach. You came to East Carolina university from there as a DB coach. You decided to leave and go out to UNLV as the, uh, and became a defensive coordinator. Uh, and then you came back to ECU and that's when we spent a few years together there. And, uh, and then from there you, you left and went to Miami, uh, coach DBs and special teams, uh, and had great success there. And then you uh, went to the Browns uh, with uh, Butch Davis. Uh, then from there to the Raiders, then back to UNC Chapel Hill as a defensive coordinator under Butch. And that's where we spent some more time together on the same staff. And then you left and went to the Raiders as a DB coach, and then the DC, and then uh, went to the Colts as the head coach. Uh, with a record uh, of 56 and 46, counting the uh, playoff games, and then uh, finished your career with the Bears as a defensive coordinator and then uh, retired. And so uh, here's my question. Uh, talk a little bit about, if if you would, uh, can you talk a little bit about your background and your, <clears throat> your influences growing up uh, that got you to Wyoming as a player first?
2: Yeah, a lot of moves on that journey. Like any of us, right? It's been, oh, yeah. Uh, decide to choose this this profession as 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 our careers and put food on the table. But grew up in a football family, as you know, Jeff. Right? And yeah. dad was a high school coach in Colorado, and so I grew up around ball and the locker room and all those kind of things. And so he was obviously the like one of the first ones had a huge impact you know, on me and thought process and, uh, watching him coach at the high school level as a, um, you know, as a young, young person and hang out at the, you know, up at the school and, and watch film and s- see how he, you know, developed the relationships with the players and how he coached, what his style was, what he stood for. Um, uh, you know, culture wasn't a big word, you know, back then, but, Sure. You know, we were always going to be a, you know, a disciplined, physical football team. And, but it really started, you know, with, you know, building, building relationships and building that trust. And I was very, very fortunate. All those spots that you mentioned along my journey, I was around such great men, such great leaders. Um, you know, Ted Tona was my first boss at the college level. Played for three different, you know, coaches in, in college, Bill Lewis, Pat Dye, and, and Al Kincaid, and had a bunch of great um, position coaches. Rocky Long, you know that name, Rocky Long. Yeah. Still coaching to this day, defensive coordinator in New Mexico, I believe. And Rocky was my coordinator, my secondary coach for a couple of years there in, in Wyoming and had a huge impact uh, on me and and. Uh, he just, I mean, the toughest, toughest damn dude you've ever, you know, I mean, we loved him. We hated him, but we loved him. And, you know, he always kept it really real with you. He yeah. was always, always very honest. Didn't always like that, but you, at the end of the day, you respected that. And so I took that, took that with me. You know, he sat me down as a senior. I wasn't playing very good. Probably thought I was better than I was, you know, benched me and put in a, uh, a sophomore, Troy Robinson, and and I went up to his office, shut the door, sat out. What the hell are you doing, Coach? You know, and he yep. goes, you, he just said, you stink. <laughs> he said, he said, you're playing, you're playing like crap. And I said, and, and, I, and I and I and I was, and I knew it, right? Yeah. And you know, I was going to go up there and get my job back, right? Just tell him he was full of crap. But he told me, like, yeah, you stink you know, here's what you need to do. You can either start practicing better and playing better and preparing better, or, you know, get your job back and being a senior, you know, I was like, okay, but I always appreciated and respected that, that honesty. And so he, he was a a huge mentor, you know, early on, you know, as a player and, and then Ted Tolner at, at Southern Cal and then being having an opportunity to be around Jimmy Johnson at the University of Miami,
3: yeah,
2: and just a master, I mean, football coach, but a just a super like the psychological part and the way he dealt with those players down there and the way he could motivate unbelievable. And Dave Wanstead was on that staff, of course. Butch, you yeah. know, who we both worked for, yeah. you know, there at UNC, Butch was the D line coach on that staff, and that's where those relationships were built, you know, down for down the road. And, but, uh, you know, Steve Logan, you know, at, yeah. you know, ECU, you know, T- Steve taught us all that you could work hard and smart yeah, and you didn't have to stay, you know, 18 hours in the office. Larry Coyer, who you know, and I know, and, and love yeah. the, the Coy yeah. dog. Now yeah. Coy, Coy didn't believe that way. And and we love Coy, right? I mean, he was, oh, yeah. he was unbelievable. I mean, you talk about a one of the finest football coaches I've ever been around, but, you know, Steve and them would be out the door, right? Right after pride, they would get their stuff done and they'd be gone. And we'd still be grinding that film up there, Bobby Babbage and myself and Theo, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and I asked, I asked Larry one time, Hey, are we going to watch film tomorrow? And he had, remember, you smoked that pipe, and there's no, supposed to be no smoking in the building there. And yeah, he wouldn't quit smoking it. <laughs> no. He said, hey, I'm keeping it. The, they can run me out of here or let me smoke this pipe. You know, he knew he wasn't going anywhere. You know, so he just challenged him. I said, we got to watch film tomorrow. Larry goes, what kind of questions that? He pulled that. Hey, but what kind of question is that? And I said, well, if you plan on it, we better shut this thing down because that bulb's about ready to burn out on that machine because we've been going so damn long, you know but he 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 had a huge you know and to this day I stay in touch with which coach uh, coach coyer and okay and, um, he would come and and visit he came when I was at chicago you mentioned the bears and my last stint you know as a, as a coach in the nfl and uh you know I retired after that 2020 season he came up and drove up from indy and uh visited us during training camp and Spent a couple of days. It was it was so awesome being around him again. You talk about a tough guy and a and a grinder. I mean, salt of the earth, right? Yep. But but that was a, that was a great experience. Learned a lot. Ten years under Butch, learned a ton. You know, from from Butch. And uh, again, I just uh, I'm I'm missing guys as as we as you know. And yeah. I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody, but I was very very fortunate, very blessed. You know, when I left UNC. And uh, you know, Norv. When we got fired at Cleveland, Norv got me on at the Raiders that two-year stint, in, in, uh out in Oakland. And and then when I came back to you know didn't have a job once we got fired after those two years, and went down there with Butch and you and and rest of rest of those guys and um, had a great great experience there. Yeah. Uh unbelievable place. And and then but then John Harbaugh got the Ravens job and offered me an opportunity to go up there and coach the DBs. And um, I love college football and all that stuff, but just the recruiting and the academics. Yeah. And once you, because I didn't know any better, 17 years at the college level, yeah, you know, and then got my first taste at the Browns, you know, with Butch just without the recruiting and the season, you know, when, when summer came around, you were on vacation, you were on vacation, you turned that phone off you could yeah. totally, totally unplug. Um, different as you know obviously uh college and i can't even imagine right right now with with the portal and nil and all the stuff that's going on talking to the guys that that i know and that are still doing it at the collegiate level they never have a day off i mean it is constant and so having that opportunity to go back with the ravens and harbaugh and and he gave me an unbelievable opportunity there and we had such a great team you mentioned eddie reed and Ray yep. Lewis and Suggs, and got to coordinate that defense in 2011. Went to the AFC Championship game. Unfortunately, we got beat by the Patriots, and, and the next day I get a phone call, and, and a day after that, I'm interviewing for the head job at Indy. So the stars lined up. I was at the right place at the right time and was blessed and fortunate to get that opportunity and, uh, and had six great years there in Indy. You know the the story. You know what we yep. went through in 2012, and you know when I was diagnosed and yes, and uh, came down with the with the leukemia diagnosis and such. But I just I just very very grateful for you know all the men that I've been around and the player you know the players and like I mentioned early on, it was always about you know building the, those relationships and building that trust and trying to be as as honest and upfront and forthright. You know, as you, as you could be, you know, with with the guys and
1: yeah, and
2: uh, but I, I was very very lucky.
1: Yes, sir. Well, uh, do you, who do you think you learned the most defense from through your career, Larry and and uh, Butch?
2: Yeah, both those you know, both those guys. You know, Butch, you know, being a defensive coach and then and then the head coach there, you know, at UNC and and in Cleveland and Miami, learned learned a ton uh, from all those guys, Jimmy, you know, Johnson, even that one, one year I was down there with him. Um, and then we kind of ran the the same, the same package. Um, but I got, I got stuff from, from every, you know, all the jobs that you had, Jeff, all the jobs that, that I've had, you know, you, you kind of pick and choose, kind of develop, develop your own, um, own philosophy, uh, way of doing things, way of thinking, but, but got stuff from, got stuff from everybody, but, Larry, Larry was like, is from a fundamental and technique standpoint, you know, it's one thing, you know, the X's and O's, but Larry could coach every position right. on yeah. the defense, you know, from interior defensive line play, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, secondary. I yeah. mean, he was, he was just, he was brilliant, you know, and, and such a, such a smart coach. And he was great with the, remember how great he was with the players? Oh yeah, Man, those players oh, yeah. kill. They kill for. They kill for that. And he was tougher than damn. I mean,
3: yeah.
2: Mina, Mina's a damn rattlesnake, right? <laughs> but yeah. but we all. But and it was hard on us as assistants, yeah. and hard on those players. But we knew he loved us. Yeah, <laughs> you wanted,
1: know. Yeah, yeah he that's, wanted me to uh, put them uh, through a circuit on Thursdays. You know, like a uh, it's pretty much a grinder now. <laughs> yeah, this was Thursday. But uh, I said, hey Larry, that's what you want to do. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah. So, uh, so that's what we did. And then uh, I would get a kick out of him. He would be out there chattering the whole practice like an outfielder, you know, during a baseball game or something, you know. Uh, he, it seemed like he was always talking. Uh, yeah, he was uh, He was a real interesting guy. And, our guys.
3: one season or
1: two. Huh? It was he there one season or two seasons with us? Maybe just one. Yeah, I think it was – I think it might have just been one that two-and-nine season uh, where we lost our quarterback.
2: Yeah, he came over from Ohio State. Yeah. He was he was there and, and came over from there and and uh yeah, I think it was it was just the one see- I remember one time one of our guys messed up and remember how he'd sit all the way down the field, get on yeah. the knee and have his hat turned around backwards and pipe in his mouth and you know, have it have an angle where he could see everything, you know, yeah. twenty twenty-five yards down the field on the sideline. Whistled blow. Something happened. We gave up something in practice, and he'd he'd have that pipe in his back pocket, flip that hat back around, and be running full speed. Yeah, you know, and he's like, "Hey, do we actually meet around here, or do you guys just wait, you know, for things to happen out here and me to come fix all this stuff? You know, do right. you guys actually meet with these guys?" and And Bubba was the word, Bobby Babbage. You know, because. Oh, yeah. 'Cause Larry's loved the inside backers and Bobby had those inside backers. So he caught the brunt of most of it. He yeah. used to love he used to love when Coach Choir would come and say, Bob, well, I'm gonna take the backers, you know, yeah. today. Mark Liviano and those guys, he'd come, I'm yeah. gonna take the backers. They run individual. Bob was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> you can have them the whole day,
1: coach. <laughs> Babich had a good NFL career also. I mean, I followed him for a little while, and then I think his son coaches in the NFL, right? Still at Buffalo. Okay. Yeah, junior. Yeah. Bobby Jr. is
2: a great coach. Yeah. and Bobby had a phenomenal uh, – Bobby Sr. had a phenomenal career. Did a great yeah. – unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I think we have a – I think, you know, my dad was a high school coach too, so I think we have a common uh, uh, person that we know as well, uh, coaching uh, Fred Pugach. Uh, uh, Fred played for my dad in high school, and I just took my dad back for a Hall of Fame that uh, he's his '75 team was put in, and Fred was there. So we uh, we mentioned your name a couple times, but uh,
2: well, that's yeah. who we went back. That's who we went back because that's who Larry was coaching with. That member at yeah. Ohio State, Pug, and him were on yeah, yeah. the same staff. Right. Remember, we all got in that van with Coach Kuyer yes. yep. <laughs> and, yep. and took a took a road trip. To spring practice and or yep. to meet meet with the staff at Ohio State, that was fun, boy.
1: It was fun.
2: Yeah, what a great time that was. Remember, first thing we got it. First thing we did, we got to Ohio State. He made me put some gear on. Cause go. Yeah. Remember, he goes racquetball courts. He loved to play racquetball.
3: Yeah, yeah. And
2: he he hated it when I beat him on that court. He would rather die, you know, yeah. than get beat. Yeah. First thing we did, he goes, "Hey, bud, you better be on your game today." I said, "What are you talking about?" we got right out of that van, put gym clothes on and went and played pug and somebody else. You know, I think the special, special teams coach at Ohio state before we did any ball. Yeah. He's like, we can't lose this thing, bud. We can't (laughs) lose this game.
1: Yeah. Well, Fred was definitely a competitive guy and, uh, you know, my dad absolutely loves him. So, uh, You know, your daughter Taylor very eloquently, you know, wrote about uh, the 10 things that she learned from her father, which, uh, you know, I was so moved by that. You know, as coaches, you know, we hope that all of our children could be so, so influenced and so perceptive. And you can tell how intelligent she is just by reading that. And uh, of course, also the love and appreciation was so evident as well. But uh, I just wanted to kind of go through those things because. Yeah, I know these are all the things that you stand for, and 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 a lot of these, of course, are what contributed to your success. So uh, you know, number one was grit, and uh, you know she talked about sticking to the process and showing up every day for a purpose for for those who you love and and your goals, and you know you got to put in the time and uh, to overcome obstacles. And, uh, you know, you got to live in your vision. So can you just talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So you remember when, when that, uh, you know, Angela Duckworth came out and wrote that book, you know, called grit. And we all saw a video and, yeah, you know, I, it really, you know, it really struck me, you know, that all the things that you just talked to about the perseverance, the resolve, the stick-to-itiveness and, because we're all so quick to just want to give up and, and, you know, things get really, really hard and things get difficult. And, you know, you just tend to throw the towel in too quick, especially, especially nowadays. But yeah, we, you know, going through, going through stuff and, you know, life's hard, right, Jeff? Oh yeah. I used to tell the guys all the time, as soon as you figure that out, it starts getting a lot easier. Yeah you know but to uh, to accomplish you know anything and and to overcome you know circumstances and overcome adversity you know you got to have that you got to have some grit and you're going to get knocked down that's okay and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to fail but as long as you learn from those and you keep going and keep moving forward and just just it, it doesn't matter. I mean, to me, that was that was the biggest thing because it's never going to be perfect, and the game's never going to be perfect, and guys are going to make mistakes. The best players in the world, right? The best players yeah. at the professional level. It doesn't matter, but as long as they, you know, they have that grit and they have that perseverance and they have that resolve, because that's just the game. I mean, I was yeah. we're coaching, we're coaching and playing a kid's game. Yeah. At the end of the day, and then there's going to be some real life stuff. That's going to hit you right between the eyes, right? And, and all these lessons that we've learned, you know, playing the greatest team sport ever, you know, football at whatever level, we learn, we learn, we learn so much uh, about, you know, not only teamwork and 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 being a, being a part of something, you know, that's bigger than ourselves, but uh, we we learn that that grit, and we learn right. to overcome, you know, adversity and. Uh, you know, and then the living vision, and not circumstances. You know that came about. Um, you know, our good buddy Kevin Elko. You know, yeah. talked to me. Uh, you know, and especially when I was going through my ordeal in Indy with with the cancer stuff. You know, we were having a call, talk one time, and and it, you know, talked to me about living vision, not circumstances, and um, living. That that is just. You know when I was going through the cancer, I just, it was, my vision was that my circumstances were leukemia, right? Right. But the vision was that, hey, because I just got to India, I just got the head coach I just got the dream job here. you know, what you work 28 years of, of your life for to have an opportunity and then to see it to the, you know, fruition and get the job. And, you know, six months later, you're sitting in a hospital bed, you know, with a bunch of, stuff getting pumped in your body, chemo and things like that. And you're just, you know, wondering, you know, why, you know, why does stuff like this happen? Um, And then it gets revealed to you throughout that. But I remember him telling me, Hey, okay. The vision was that I was going to beat cancer, be around for a long time for my wife and my kids, walk two more daughters down the aisle, dance at their weddings and raise that Lombardi trophy and forget the circumstances that that's what i focused on you know was was that vision and that was from day 1 you know we built that program you know uh, on on a solid foundation we built it on rock and, and not sand because we knew tough days were coming little did i know 6 months after we talked about that stuff you know that i'd be i'd be sitting there getting removed from the team and, and going through what what i had to go through but i think that's really really important for 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 all of us especially for young people is you know get a get a vision you know in your mind regardless of what you're going through of, of what you want to do and 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 how you how you want to do it and where you want to be and 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 focus focus on that you know focus focus on that vision and and don't don't worry about the circumstances you know because we know cir- circumstances don't make you they reveal you you know and and having to go through some tests and some tough times they, they re- they reveal a lot about yourself.
1: No doubt. And, uh, you know, when you're in a hospital, I've been there a few times and you got, you are know, going through something tough. You got to rely back on that grit, you know, and, uh, and at the same time, you have to be patient. And that's what I learned. And, you know, uh, I know that you went through that, uh, you went through something down in Miami too, when you had the, the heart deal. And, uh, uh you know about a year ago i had bradycardia and uh, i was just riding riding in my car and i was well i actually had to get some kind of a basic test and uh, you know i had uh my heart rate was 30 and they're like why is your heart rate 30 i'm like i have no idea i said like, i can't be in that good of shape <laughs> and so uh I'm, i i i called bo you know bo's a paramedic and he works in the emergency room and all that stuff you know my son and everything so when i got home he goes dad you know, gotta take you to the uh, cardiologist you know, you got, you got the uh, electrical block, you got 2nd you're going from second to third degree block. And so I went to the cardiologist and they could only get my, you know, my heart rate up to 53 on a treadmill, put something on me, called me back to the emergency room later on. So my heart rate was 25 for four days because I had to wait till Monday uh, to get the surgery, to get the pacemaker. So, uh, you know, and I've been great since and you know, my, my problem was all electrical but you just never know, you know, I mean, I had no idea that this was, that I even had a problem at all. And I, and nobody can even tell me to this day, you know, why that occurred. Uh, but at the same time, it was you who I was thinking about when I was in the hospital, just so you know, (laughs) that, uh, it was you and it was Jesus Christ and it was, uh, and, uh, I had no symptoms. The nurses were there. You know, they told the, the, pastor that came to see me on a Sunday we don't understand this guy he's like not even human there's something wrong so he's you know he's got no symptoms he's not dizzy he's whatever but his heart rate's 25 but you know uh, my faith I just never felt threatened for some reason I felt like you know uh God was there with me and my family was there and uh yeah, I just went ahead and got it done on monday and I'm fine now you know I'm I'm doing well work working out you know two times a day and feeling good so uh I just wanted you to know that the scripture that you sent me that one time when I had that melanoma and uh you know that stuck with me that whole time and helped me through that as well so uh, uh just just know that
2: <laughs> so that's I remember you telling me about that stuff. And I remember the cancer stuff, the melanoma, but
3: yeah.
2: Um, like I went, I go back to like that. Why me? Yeah. You know, we had just lost a game to Jacksonville heartbreak, a third game of the year, that first year in Indy. And the next day I was going to get some blood work. I remember we took the lead. Andrew took us down the field. got the lead back with 50 seconds left, 52 seconds left in that game. And, yeah. We kick off and Blaine Gabbert hits Cecil Shorts on a skinny post and we lose the game. 52 seconds. We were, you know, going in that locker room, said some things to the team. And Robert Mathis I called the guys up and said, hey, no pity parties in football and there's no pity parties in life. Yeah. You know, let's man up. We'll come in tomorrow. We'll look at the tape and we and we move on. And, and that was our, our bye week, bye week coming up. And that's when I got diagnosed. But yeah. I just I remembered those words the minute the doc told me. You know you have memia, yeah. Uh, you have cancer. You know you never think you're going to hear anything like that. Yeah. But but that stuck in my head. I went right back to, you know, I almost went to that, you know, really why me, why now, right? Type of type of deal. But then I just remember what Robert said about no pity parties in life, no pity parties in football. You know, so. I never, like you, I was like, this is, this is a fluke. You know, there's no, I didn't even, not once did it cross my mind that I was not going to beat that, you know, and that's because of faith. That's because of family, you know, all the things that, all the things you talk about. No, I had no cholesterol issues, no heart, no family history about nothing. When I had that heart deal down at UM, you know, in 1996, 36 years old, always been great shape but you know, is it a sign or is it a test? Exactly. Right. So, hey, hey, right. Like if, if you don't have that grit, yeah, that mental toughness that resolve, then you're going to say, ah, it's a sign. It wasn't meant to be, you know, I, know I guess, time. I guess this is over, you
1: know? Yeah. I'm a better man now. That's all I know. I, I know. I'm a much better man, you know, after going through those things and, uh, I cherish every moment, every day, every minute with my wife, uh, my every minute with my dogs, I mean, everything. So, uh, yeah.
2: You remember, yeah. You remember before, because it gives you such great perspective, right? Because no be, before, I mean, you got two amazing children. You know, I got my daughter. Everybody's – remember we used to say, you know, we have to? Yeah. Like, I got to take the kids to – yeah, school. I've got to take the kids to practice. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And then you go through something, you know, that could be a little bit life changing. Yeah. And now we say we get to. Right. You know, right. No it used to be I have to, but it gives you it gives you great perspective, you know, and just how just how fragile, you know, uh, life is, and and just
1: how good just how good we we have it, you know. Well, let's go to number two: presence. 60 minutes is all you got, uh, one play at a time. Don't judge. Be present in each moment of your life. Let go of self-judgment. And I've heard that a few times from you. So uh, anything you want to add there?
2: Yeah, that that, that process, yeah, that presence, you know, that that process of a game was, you know, 60 minutes, all you got, one play at a time. Don't judge. Just what you said and we all understand the first three elements of that and that, that no judgment thing that's like okay good play move on yeah. bad play move on yeah don't look at the scoreboard down 28 who cares you can't score 28 on on one play
3: yeah yeah
2: you just have to go to the next play and and, and you can't judge and, and sit there and say you know in in your regular life you make mistakes you stumble easy to fall back and judge yourself, judge others. But that was, that was our calling card there, you know, at, at Indy. And we beat that home from, from day one, uh, that whole process deal. And, and that's why, you know, you're down 28 to Kansas city in the third quarter of a playoff game. And then all of a sudden it just takes one play. Right. And, and momentum is, is a crazy, crazy thing as, as, as you know, and I know being in this, this business for so long, it just takes one play and, and, you know, a strip sack by Mathis, an unbelievable play by luck. And, and next thing you know, that whole thing turns, you know, and you're down 28 and you win the game by a point 45, 44 and, and never was, was process and, and being present more, more prevalent uh, than, than that game. So, yeah. um, and, and that's huge. Cause we taught our kids that um, it's, it's just every, everyday life. It's, it's a process and you have to, you have to trust that process, and when things don't go your way, it's 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 so easy to go to judgment, and yeah. and 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 whatever, and 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 lose that lose that mindset, that grit mindset, and just say, hey, maybe this wasn't supposed to be, but but I think that that can be applied to you know just anything, every everyday life.
1: How about uh, number three, optimism. So, uh, what you've been through, your circumstances don't make you, they reveal you, uh, take your pain and obstacles and transform through it. So those are the things we've been talking about, uh, yeah. but, uh you know, she's so, uh, I guess you could say succinctly put those things in that, uh, little, little summary. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Uh. Number four was vision. Uh, Living vision, not circumstance, which you covered. Uh, and of course, you know, she talked about your attitude now after going through what you've been through, always being the luckiest man, you know, luckiest man alive every day. And uh, the fact that life is a gift and. And all those good things. Uh, so. So. The next thing would be family. Uh, so, you know, maybe talk a little bit about fam, the family concept and relationship to coaching. And then, uh, and I know that was big with you. And then also uh, what's going on with your family now?
2: Yeah. You know, Tina, as you know, our, our wives, you know, the, we sacrifice a lot, but nobody sacrifices more than our family and our children. And it's always about our significant other. And, and, and Tina was just amazing in the, in the development and rearing of, of our girls. And, you know, like you, when you reached out to me about this and you, you told me about those, those things, like when I first read those and Taylor, like, you never think your kids are like picking up anything you're trying to teach them, right. Especially when they're, they're young and then they hit those teenage years and, they don't want to listen to you. They don't like you no more. They don't want to be around you. And then you get past that. But then, you know, you read something like this and you say, well, maybe all that time and effort that you, you put into family, maybe it paid off. You know, right. and, you know, I, re- I remember like Taylor, when we when we left Miami to go to Cleveland, Tori and, and Tara, and we, we go up to Cleveland. Taylor, Like Taylor, we all made a bunch of moves. And then she started high school there in Strongsville, Ohio, in, uh, in Cleveland there. And then we got let go there, and we went out to Oakland. And then she had to go enter Monte Vista. So Strongsville was about 1,000 students. Yeah. So we dropped her off school, you know, Monte Vista, 5,000. And like she didn't want to get out of the car the first day of school. Mom Tina took her, yeah. and she finally just had to tell her, "Hey, get the heck out of the car, Taylor. Here, I'm not taking you back home. You got to do this." And it, it, you know, obviously it, it worked out. But she's there a year and a half. Then we got let go at, at Oakland. We got to come to Chapel Hill. So three three high schools for my my middle daughter. I wasn't very popular. You know, <laughs> in 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 the in the household, but Tina made it all made it all happen from they were little, and yeah, and she always had to work too everywhere we went because we weren't making the money that the, all these that we make now and have made. But you know, but she was she was just unbelievable. But she always made it you know important for those kids to know what my I did and what and be around the football stuff, and uh, we try to take advantage of of every opportunity, you know, we could, to, to keep them, keep them involved. And, and, I, cause I missed, be quite frank. I missed a lot. Yeah. You now, as, as most, as everybody knows, I'm not saying I've been through anything that anybody else in the coaching profession hasn't been through. I mean, you, you sacrifice a lot and you, you miss a lot. Um, but at the same time, I, I just, I credit, I credit my wife, Tina, uh, the unbelievable job that she did. And, you know, getting those girls ready and bringing them to the games and being around, you know, the team and all the different schools we were at and, you know, and then in the in professional football and staying connected like that. But, you know, my late father-in-law, uh, Ron Hefner, Tina's dad, my father-in-law, Ron, he passed away. I don't know if you remember, remember when we were together in 07, you know, back and we just got our break speed off at Wake Forest and, yeah, and came home and that next morning we woke up to, bad phone call tina did but um he always talked about faith and family you know and how important that was and it wasn't always football for him he was he thought i was crazy doing what i was doing because he'd he'd come to he came to chapel hill to see us and he'd come on a wednesday and i didn't see him till after the game (laughs) you know he's like hey is there any more of these jobs opened up boy it sure seems like a really good way to make a living you know yeah but but it was it was always about that and um, and again, I credit, I credit Tina and the job that, that job that she did. And, and again, that, that part of it is always, uh, again, I feel very, very blessed to, um, they don't now that they retire, they don't have a team. So now it's just, you know, I got them all out here in Boise, Idaho. And yeah, Tara raising three granddaughters, Addison, Avery, and Zoe, and, the two, the two oldest ones are twins they are going to be 16 here pretty soon. And sophomores in high school and it's always going to be 10 here this month. And and then I got a grandson finally bear Charles and he, he just turned two. So we're living a blessed life out here, Jeff. Very, very lucky.
1: That's awesome, man. Glad to hear. Well, the next one is change is constant, which, uh, (laughs) you just covered some of that, uh, fan versus life of football she talked about and uh people not understanding the life of football you know the football fans not understanding that it's a business with sharp edges and kids must adapt but what she said was it taught her to appreciate whoever she whoever she was with and uh and wherever she was so i thought that was i thought that was great
2: no, you just, it was, again, you don't, sometimes you don't have the conversations probably until you, like your daughter writes something like this or you have a discussion yeah. or, and and you, and you don't, you don't take the time to really, you know, like we talked about, be present, right? you know, th- that intentional and, and deliberate and, and actually listen and see what's going on. But going through, they've always told me, you know, they hated me back then. You know, when dropped her off at Chapel Hill, and it's her third high school, <laughs> and it's like, you know, how hard that is on on teenage kids. I mean, I can't even yeah. imagine now how hard it is with everything that's going on and social media and all the all that right. stuff. But, but, it, I always told him, I mean, it was adapt or adapt or die. Yeah. Can we can we stay? Can I stay, Dad, the, at Monta Vista? Can I stay here with friends and finish this? You know, my senior year, Baba. I said. One thing Tina and I decided when we got into this thing together was that there was going to be some moves. We knew there was going to be some moves and some change, um, but we weren't going to ever leave the kids behind. Now, she stayed behind sometimes to finish a a semester, you know, finish the second half of the school year or whatever, you know, so we had to be separated some uh, in those regards. Uh, But the kids, we never, we said, we're never going to leave you, leave you behind and I just told them it's adapt, adapt, or die. Keep your head down, mind your own business, walk through them doors, get your work home, you know, and 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 then and then get your work done, and then get home. Um, but this is this is how it is, and it's going to help you. It's going to help you down the road, you know. Learning learning that how to adapt and that grit and building that stuff, and again, they they I wasn't very popular back then, but to hear them now say those life lessons, you know, that we learned and having to go through all that change and all those different environments and adapt and, you know, build new relationships and make new friends. And I mean, you and I both know how hard that is and it kills you. It kills you inside to have to do it, but, but it's just life. That was that, that's how it was. And, and, and they forged through it and all of them to this day, you know, things are, they understand that, that life's tough and, and, You know, and it's hard, but they have, you know, all that stuff inside them, all that past experience and know that it's going to be okay, and and they're they're going to get through it and they're not alone.
1: Oh, doubt. Well, number seven is control the controllable. Uh, She talked about chaos and opinions and criticism and. uh, And then you just lean into what you can control yourself, which is awesome. Uh, Paganoism. (laughs) <laughs> right there. Yeah, so, I, I uh,
2: can't I can't claim it. I got it from I got it from somewhere, but but I used to tell those media guys or tell my family, you know, or I'd tell those media guys I said, uh, "You can fire me, but you can't eat me." <laughs> <laughs> you know, or I or I'd tell them, "They can fire me, but they can't eat me." Yeah. So you don't we all know what we signed up for, right? Oh yeah. We know what the expectations are. So control what you can control, and that's your 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 attitude, your energy, your enthusiasm, your passion, right? All all that stuff, because that stuff that stuff's contagious, no doubt. And, and if we sit there and I used to beg my wife and kids, don't read, don't listen to the radio, and, and they they couldn't they couldn't do it. And all the time they'd go, they go, these guys, what are they talking about? Why would they say such things? I said that's their job. Right. I said I can't I can't get into it with those. With those guys, and I used to just kill them with kindness, Jeff. Yeah, and and I wouldn't respond to all the criticism, and it, it killed them. They hated it. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it, it was
2: like I it was like I was sitting there leaving them with hot coals in their lap, because they say, "Hey, you didn't do this, you didn't do that," and I said, "Yeah, you're right. I got to be better." Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I stink at that. I got to work on that, and it would just kill them, you know, because they wanted more and. Yeah. And I made some mistakes, obviously, along the way and learned some tough lessons on responding to that stuff. But again, there's going to be a lot of things that are out of our out of our control and we're just going to have to have to deal with. But, you know, your attitude, like I said, your mindset, how you how you treat people. I mean, that we how you respond.
3: Right. Right. Uh,
2: all all those all those kind of things is just and that's easy. That's just I used to tell the guys all the time, I said, some of you guys, I think you get up out of bed and you just say, Hey, look, I'm gonna go in and see how miserable I can make coach today. Is that what you guys do? <laughs> you know, we've we've always had those guys, you know, that yeah. um, just come in are miserable. And I said, Man, you guys we got another day. You know, tomorrow's not promised. We get yeah. today, so let's kick let's kick today's butt, you know, and, and do it with a great attitude and enthusiasm. Harbaugh used to say enthusiasm, second to none, you know, Yeah. Unbe- unbeknownst to mankind. Right. And it was right. They were right. You know, cause it, it lifts other people up and it lifts your, lifts yourself up. And we all can get out of bed every morning and, and decide we can control our attitude and decide, Hey, look, I'm going to, I'm going to be a positive person today, you know, and I'm going to encourage others. And, try to do the right thing. And I know I'm going to make some mistakes, but we can control that.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, as a strength coach, you'd see the, those guys every day all year round on the summer, you got no vacation. So, you know, of course, you know, you got to find all kinds of ways to keep that enthusiasm going, you know? So, uh, yeah, I know exactly oh, what you're yeah. talking about. There.
2: Oh. You were unbelievable. You were unbelievable. I credit. The only reason we won is because of you. Because, <laughs> because, because no, I'm serious. Because of that mindset and the way you developed those guys, and your selflessness and the the way you serve those players, I, I know why they they loved you and to this day keep in touch with you and Because, rem- I mean, you built it. Because we weren't we didn't have the best. You know, we supposedly got everybody's else seconds and thirds there, right?
1: Yeah, we had to develop people, no doubt about but that. But you,
2: but you developed You developed them not only from a physical standpoint, but right here. Yeah. To where they were like unbreakable
1: yeah we had know, some and, great kids who really worked hard oh, oh man years, no doubt no doubt uh well i appreciate that uh and then the quote there is be where your feet are and do your job uh be present in the moment so that's another one <laughs> yeah i love that because
2: yeah. you know how hard how the distractions especially nowadays with the, with the kids and everything that's going on. Yeah. You know, and they got, they got not one, but two, but maybe three phones, especially in the NFL, three different cell phones. They got all this stuff going on. That was just like when you enter the building, just, just be present, be intentional, be deliberate about everything we do. And then when you leave here, because there's a lot of stuff going on outside that building. Yes. That you can bring in there. Yeah. And it's, you're, it, you're going to get sideways. You, you, There's no way that you're going to be effective and do your job. And I don't care what you do because yeah. we all got stuff going on. We all got stuff going on at home, uh, whatever, whatever. There's a bunch of stuff going on. And if you bring that to work, boy, it's, you can tell in a heartbeat. And 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 that's going through your mind. Uh, yeah, there's no way you can be present. You can be intentional. So that, that whole be where your feet are, we're just, hey, Whatever it is, if you get a, 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 a pad on the side of the uh, door, the entrance, you know, you punch your code in or you yep. got a key, key fob and it lets you in. I used to say, let that be the deal. OK, look, you're here. Be where your feet are. Be present. Try to try to put all that down for right now. Not that okay. it's, it's not not that it's not important. It's your life. It's your livelihood. It's your wife. It's your kids. It's whatever you got going on. Mom, okay. dad, brother, sister. All right. the stuff, right? Pulling it at these guys, just put it down for the next whatever. Yeah. And then when when you leave, you know, and you you exit that door, and that thing clicks. Then 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 you pick up, you pick up that stuff again. We never drop that, you know, uh, full time or forever. But if you wanna if you wanna prepare and and you know, put yourself in the best possible uh, position to succeed on. Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever it is, at any level, yeah, you have you have to be present. You have to be intentional, and and I learned that at home, Jeff. You know, with 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 Tina over the years, is, and and my kids, because we'd bring work home. Oh yeah, and it was a le- it was a lesson for myself, you know. And I and I and we had to recruit and do all that stuff, but <laughs> yeah. she would tell me all that all the time. You're you're here, but you're not here. I'd yeah. be like, huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> so even before we even know what be where your feet meant, feet yeah. are, what that meant, yeah, that, that just being present and, and just a better listener and, and, and all that stuff, but it's hard, it's hard not to do that.
1: Yeah, my wife's famous quote to me is uh uh what did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. So got to make sure I'm listening. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, the next one was belief. You know, of course, the mindset, the attitude. Uh, and she talked about when you talked to her when you got the diagnosis of leukemia, and you told her, "Don't worry, I got this." And you did have it. And so she mentioned the power of the mind to heal. And uh, wow, you know, what a powerful statement that is.
2: Faith is believing in what you can't see.
1: Yeah.
2: And the reward for believing is you'll get to see it. We use that. We use that all the time over at Indy and obviously, you know, during my deal and, you know, anybody like when you went through your, you know, circumstances and the melanoma thing, your heart issue, you know, you know, in your mind, but you got to make those loved ones around you. Cause I didn't want them to worry. I didn't want my daughters to yeah. sit there and worry and my wife to worry and my mom and dad, you know? And so for, for them and you, cause you know, they're going to, for them, it was, I, I got to, and I, and I did. And it just, it just, she picked that, she picked up on that. And, um, as I said, don't, I, I don't, I, this is, this is done. This is already beat you know this is this is already beat. this is just a a minor deal and 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 we're gonna get get through that and it it wasn't you know and again, I just going through all that we we went through all those years, yeah, yeah. you know of the ups and downs you know of just what football teaches you and, and coaching and winning games, losing games the some of the devastating losses. Um, the amazing wins, but it just, it just teaches us so much that, you know, with faith, with family, football or whatever you, you can get through anything, you know, and you got to have, you got to have that mindset and you have to have to have that, have to have that belief. And hopefully that, you know, my, my girls and my, my loved ones, they all, they all have that, you know, as well, because, yeah. because it's in the, in the players, I told them, I said, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when, and I don't know where, but the circumstances, the adversity, it's coming, right? You know. So I, you
1: know, my uh, my family was with me that for the last deal that I had, you know, over the weekend and so forth, and then we were waiting for Monday, and so uh, I told them we had a tailgate party uh, Sunday, so we had a tailgate party in the hospital before my surgery. So you know, I I, I do I, I believe it's all attitude, you know, so uh, that helped everybody. Yeah. Uh, Then number nine, you know, two more, you get uh, legacy, you know, leave something much bigger than yourself. And uh, all I got to say about that is, you know, uh, you know, I've been through in my career, uh, I always say penthouse, outhouse, everywhere in between. And uh, I know within myself that I've done enough to leave something and that brings peace to me. You know, and I don't really care what some fan thinks or some critic thinks, or you know, people that are always out there trying to celebrate somebody's failure. You know, I mean, uh, I don't have time for those people. Uh, but uh, you know, the the legacy that you you're leaving is just totally incredible, and uh, you know, I just want to commend you on on all your accomplishments and and your legacy. So, uh, uh, you know. I'm glad you're enjoying life right now and sitting back on it and just enjoying it and doing your, uh, what's that thing called? 33, uh, 33rd, 33rd. 33rd team. 33rd team. Yeah.
2: Former, yeah. Check that out. Former GMs, head coaches, yeah, player 34. players, personnel guys keep us connected. I feel very grateful to Mike Tannenbaum and, and, the the people that, that, uh, started the 33rd team and good group of guys and, yeah. Again, it keeps keeps you connected and get to talk. You know, talk because you know, how hard it is when you don't have a team anymore. Yep. You know, I mean. yeah, You know, you know why players and uh, get sideways, sideways, and and coaches yep. get sideways because where do you, where do you get that?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Where where because you because you better have your next life's work,
3: right. you
2: know, ready to roll because, like retirement. You're doing what you're doing now, and it's keeping you connected and keeping you yeah. busy, and, and you're impacting lives still. Um, that's where – that's where
3: you, I mean, it,
2: and it was really hard for me early on until some of these things came about, and and you have that next life's work, and you have purpose, yeah. you know, because
1: – Yeah, I think, well, as, as coaches, we always want to impact people somehow. It's just too deep in you that you – you know, somehow it just – you know, you got to do it. And, uh, that's, that's the way I feel. I, I was ready to go down to the beach, you know, chill out at Emerald Isle, but, uh, something hit me. said, you ain't done yet, buddy. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, we had a guy on last week that played at ECU and he heard, heard a podcast, a couple, uh, you know, two, uh, two podcasts ago with pastor Gene that I bring on and, uh, basically said he wanted to recommit his life to christ and that was just you know just something incredible uh just so happy to be able to help him you know through what we're doing yeah and that's what we want to do and so uh you know the the last one that we'll leave everybody with i guess is live full out and uh, the fact that your daughter called you a child at heart and you love to have fun and you love to laugh and uh you know all that kind of things that, I, that I've seen in you, particularly like a couple of things like where you, when you wrestled Jerry Dillon in your backyard, for instance. And, uh, you know, when we had a lot, of, a lot of celebrations after big wins and we just had a great time. And, uh, I always, uh, had such a great time around you and Fleming, you know, uh, because you, you know, you would just be, uh, uh, you know, making it happen. I remember I wrestled Fleming in my kitchen one time. Broke all the dishes and Michelle.
2: <laughs> so, him yeah. and Le- him and Leslie came to Boise. That's where we met. Okay. We both we were both first time, you know, full time assistants under Skip Hall at BSU in 1987. Yeah. He was on the offense side of the ball, and I was on the defensive side, and we connected from the first day. Right. And, you know, just best friends, best man of my wedding. And yeah, we wrestled a bunch. You know, when I let (laughs) when I we I mean, we got found in the front yard. She was out of town. Les was out of town. And we went out and we finished at his place and we were in the front front yard, rolled over some, you, you, you know, Sapling that that they just planted out out front of the condominium complex that he lived in, and security came because somebody called security on us. <laughs> and, oh, and he's like, "What do you what are you guys doing?" He goes, "You got to get out of the front. You got to go." So we went upstairs and moved all the furniture, and and <laughs> proceeded to, you know, keep the match going,
1: hit you know, up there. So well,
2: unbelievable, when,
1: uh, unbelievable great when, times. How about when you and Jags dove in the water Brook Valley and got a bunch of golf balls out of there?
2: I mean, I took, I took my youngest brother-in-law who was visiting little Timmy Hefner, you know, he's not little anymore, but we were in that mud and got three, four buckets of those golf balls. What was that? Brook Valley. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Lord. How'd we get here? <laughs> how do we, how do we make it? Huh? Someone yeah. was looking, someone was looking out after us because <laughs> a lot of, deci- lot of, a lot of, a lot of not very smart decisions, you know, along along the way
1: but well that uh uh, before i close i just wanted to ask you a little bit about defense uh you know uh, east carolina's you know having a pretty good year they're six and four they lost a tough one to uh cincinnati got houston this week and uh you know this defensive coordinator here at ecu i think he's made a difference um and uh there's a lot of pressure and i think you know he plays some man and but uh just generally speaking, you know, what, what what kind of defense do you think is is more effective now as a as a base defense? And uh, well, you know, what are a few thoughts you have there now in relationship of you know how to stop these high powered offenses with mobile quarterbacks? And uh, you know, I mean, do you spy do you spy somebody on the UNC quarterback Drake May? Or you know, how do you he's going to get a first down one way or the other? So I mean, uh, it's Give me a few of your thoughts there.
2: Yeah, you you watch these guys, and you watch Justin Fields the last month Yeah, uh, in the National Football League, what he's done in Chicago. Right. I mean, and he's 6'3", six, six, 235, 240 pounds, and he's faster. He broke one the other day, and there wasn't one Detroit Lion defender that could catch him and go 60 yards, 147 uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, 160 some the the week, 180 some the week before. Watching these athletic guys in, in college, I mean, you better have a bunch of speed. Yeah. The game used to be like when I was at the Raiders with Mr. Davis. Yeah. And Al Davis was like, "It's a big man's game."
3: Yeah. You know,
2: you had to be fast, but it, it was a, always a big man's game, and and Coach Parcells and. And remember all those, all those guys, I mean, those Mike backers were 250, 260 pounds. And because it was, like you said, it was a two back, you know, there was never a time anybody was in one back. Everybody had a full back in the backfield and played with multiple tight ends. And now, you know, fullbacks are extinct. You see some of the Kyle Shanahan, you know, he, he uses one, you know, in San Francisco, um, you know, Mike McDaniels goes down to the dolphins and he's having great success. You'll see a fullback there. So it, it's all about speed now because everybody's playing and like base defense. We were a three, four, I was a three, four in, in, in at the Ravens. We did it at Indy. I was yeah. a four, three under Jimmy Johnson before, you know, I, I got with some fourth, uh, some three, four guys, Rob and Rex Ryan, yeah. um, those type of things, but you could get up, but, that was your base defense, and if you played like a thousand plays right now in the National Football League, and I'm sure it's just the same. You know, at the college level, you're never in base. Yeah. You know, so because you're not going to yeah. see 21 personnel. You know, two backs and one tight end, or yeah, 22 personnel, two backs and two tight ends. Maybe short yardage, goal line situation. Yeah. But we would only play between 20 and 23 percent of base defense, mm-hmm. and the rest of the time you're in you're in nickel defense. You're in sub you know, five DBs, six DBs, depending on, you know, the down and distance, especially third down, because in college is the same thing. It's they're spreading you out pillar to post or making you defend, you know, every blade of grass and, and the guys that, you know, are are running the offense, the quarterbacks that are running it and the players that they're handing it to and the players that they're throwing it to. Yeah. My, my Lord. I mean, it's it. So you can see what's happening. Like, in the national football league um you know everybody's going like the linebackers of old you know you got all these athletic dudes now you know the the two guys in tampa tampa you know lamonte dave and, the, and devin white i mean patrick queen at the raver you got 220 225 pound linebackers now that are four, 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 five. right so that to your point about spying a guy like may you know at unc hendon hooker or, or Justin Fields in the National Football League. They are a nightmare.
3: Yeah.
2: It, it, they are a nightmare because because when things break down and they start to take off, Patrick Mahomes, to extend plays, most of those guys are still got their eyes down. Like Pat Mahomes, he isn't thinking to run like Justin Fields. He's not the same type of athlete. He's good enough to extend plays. Uh, but he's always got his eyes down the field, and he's got such great arm – oh, excuse me. He's got such great arm talent. That he can get the ball and make all those off schedule throws, and right. it's all like baseball throws. It's like shortstops and third basemen making great fielding plays, and then these these contorted throws to first base. I mean, it's it's scary. Yeah. yeah.
3: Um.
2: But you have to have you have to have a bunch of speed on the field. You got to have great corners, you know. So when you need to lock them down and play some man coverage, yeah. And then the, then the pass rushers, you know the. You need the big uglies, you know, inside for for a couple rundown, maybe first and second and one to five, you know, and then you got to get them off the field and get them to buy into that, and then get your get your speed on the field and get the guys that can go hunt the quarterback. You know, otherwise, it's just, yeah, I'm really I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad. I mean, to be a defensive coordinator right now, <laughs> the only way you, Jeff, the only way you sign up. And, and I watched ECU the other day. They were out here playing BYU. Yeah. Got a got a great win. What a good – a great job those guys are doing and a good-looking football team. And that quarterback yeah. – what's that quarterback's name over there?
1: Holton Hale. He's a good player, right? Yeah, he is. He's a tough kid. Uh, he's he's hung in there. And he's got – you know, he got better every year, I think. And he makes good decisions and he can throw the ball. And, he, and he's beat up and he's still playing. He's tough. Uh, you know, I – I think he's got a shot at the next level to be honest with you. Yeah.
2: But, yeah. I, I was impressed. I was impressed with the with the way that team played and and um you know the effort and the you know tough physicality and the toughness that they showed Because yep. that's not easy making that trip across across the country to to and go play at, at a place like that. And no um but I, the only way I'd take a job is like if the guy said, Hey, look, just hold them to fifty and we're good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Can you imagine? You. Can you imagine being able to live with yourself? Uh, <laughs> you average give. I I just, but that's that's how it is. I mean, you see some of those yeah. scores, and you're like, my lord! And they're, Ole Miss, and some of these teams are running yeah. a play every every twenty seconds. Yeah. And you and you can't substitute,
3: right? Yeah.
2: And you got it. You get a group on the field, and then <clears throat> to try to get guys. You know, fresh guys in the game, what a challenge that is. My lord. Yeah. I'm glad we're doing stuff like this now. Absolutely. Know? And we can we can sit back and just just laugh and, and just like, holy heck, thank yeah. God we ain't out there doing
1: that. Yeah, I'm gonna uh I'm gonna go to the game with John uh uh with uh well Marcus Crandall and I and uh John McMillan. He used to come to the games with Danny Barsini. I don't know if you remember those guys. They came to all of our games, and John, uh, he's got some seats up up top and so forth. So Marcus Crandall and I are going to go to the Houston game with with them this weekend. But uh, so uh, that'll I'm be gonna fun. See, I'm just going to enjoy the fan life, brother. What did what did Houston put up in that game? He said, "Oh, with uh, SMU in <clears and throat> Houston, it was 77 to 63." Yeah, so uh, that's a basketball score, you know. Oh, isn't it, God yeah, Almighty? So, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and and close it out here a minute, and, and uh, you know, I just wanted to thank you again. Uh, really great having you on. It's great to talk to you. You know, Michelle and I, we travel all over the country now. We might come out west one of these days and uh, check please, out. Please, please do. You have to. <laughs> you have to. We, I'd love to see you. We'll take
2: we'll oh, love to see you as well and I appreciate yeah. you having having me on. I've got such such great great memories, Jeff. Yes, sir. E, ECU time and in Chapel Hill and yeah. And just you talked about legacy and the one you're leaving behind is unbelievable and you continue to to grow that and we just wanted to just always want to do something that, you know, will outlive you, right? And be right. be around for for That's much fair. longer but But being able to serve and give back and help help others, encourage others, and you know that's what we're all put here to do, right? No doubt. Remember what we said: we hey, I'm not the man I want to be, but I'm sure glad I'm not the man I used to be. You know. Absolutely. So just trying to trying to grow. I appreciate you, brother. You better get out get out. Say hi to Michelle. You better get out here and see us, okay?
1: All right, we'll do. Uh, This is Jeff Connors uh, signing off for Absolute Empowerment. And armoredlife.org. And uh, remember, when you open the word, it opens you. God bless and see you next week.
0: You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on The Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at The Sports Obj on Twitter and TikTok, at The Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates!